the beautiful thing about the gospel is that it's like the good news. Jesus came to save his people from their sin. And when he says from their sin, he's not talking about the things that we've done. He's talking about the people that we are. You can be a new creation. You can be different. We're in uh, lesson two of our uh, study on marriage, sexuality, and gender. And I want to reiterate just a couple small things that we we talked about in our first study, that um, among among all of the kind of topics in in Scripture, okay, and of course we have Old Covenant and New Covenant, and there's, there's just topics that are difficult to go from old covenant to new covenant, you know, and we find that especially in the book of Acts, you know, um, how they were, you know, a people that came out from an, an old covenant living under the law. They were free from the law. And then you have stuff like Paul statements like Paul that says, you know, um, you know, it's kind of do whatever you want kind of things like all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. It's like, dude, what? Don't preach that at teen camp. Okay. So we have all these kinds of, kind of cultural and and message, you know, statements and how they fit together. And man, it's difficult. Um, so there's some difficulty, and I like the word ambiguity, okay, because the truth is there and God wants to reveal it. And we're kind of figuring out what that looks like. And, and it's hard as you go from culture to culture. Um, but regarding sexuality, marriage and gender, okay, uh, that's not Im- ambiguous, like there are just certain things that are not ambiguous, okay? You are saved, um, you know, you are saved by the grace of the God, by the grace of God through faith, okay? You must be born again. It's not ambiguous, okay? Um, Jesus came, died on a cross for you and I. It's not ambiguous, okay? There's no version of that that, you know, you can kind of slip and say, well, you know, no. Um, Jesus came to do this. That's very straightforward. And so, you know, sexuality, like murder, you know, this guy ticked me off. I'm going to go out and kill him. No, see, there's no, there's no version of that, which makes murder. Okay. Um, so there's certain ambiguous things that we have to work through. And what does this mean in my culture? Sexuality is just not on that level. It's plain. Uh, God set in an old covenant. No one argues with, right? Um, you were put to death for certain perverse sexual relationships between a man and a man and a woman and a woman. Fornication was a very, very clear line on that kind of stuff. And there was a lot of like sexual things that we're not super clear on. You know, it's kind of like the way they handled, um, you know, a man having sex with a woman and then just marrying her and, and foreigners and, you know, you couldn't marry and all these kinds of different things. There's a kind of, you know, we look at that and go, what? But in terms of, Sex between sexual activity between a man and a man and a woman and a woman, okay, same sex relationships. Dude, that's that was clear in the Old Testament, and Jesus affirms that, and it's clear in the New Testament. There's just no other version or teaching offered, it's just not there. And so, I want to get into you know, that we made that plain, that's a starting point. But for the person, and I've met a ton, I have met a ton of people that come to me and say, I don't want to be this way. 
I don't want to feel this way. There's other people that say, I want to be this way, you know? And there's there's people both outside the church and even inside the church that says, dude, I'm, God's okay with this. I don't want to argue. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to find some place that's going to accept me. And, you know, there's, there's, there's some different conversations to be had with that group. Uh, but I, I specifically want to talk about, and I want to talk to those of you who have feelings and just like you've always been this way and you have you know, you're like in torment and unfulfillment and you're looking at a kind of a, a life of celibacy and all of that kind of stuff. I, I want to talk to that group. Um, when the Bible says you can be a new creation, you can be born again, you can be transformed into a new creation. It's what exact, that's what he means. You don't have to feel the way you've always felt. And it's not just like we, this is big. We don't just look at the scriptures and say, well, I got to do that if I want to go to heaven. No, we look at the scriptures and literally that's the destiny. That's how God has created us to live. And he can transform you on the inside so that you literally fit the pattern. So let me begin like this. Um, Grew up in a sexually perverse home. And, you know, um, I want to be careful because I have family and you know how all that is and um, my dad's no longer living, died as a Christian, tremendous man of God. My mom loves Jesus. My sisters are Christian and dude, we're good to go. But growing up in, in my home, uh, that wasn't the case. And, um, man, I, and I can't blame that on my home or my parents. I made terrible choices and lived a, a perverse life sexually uh, chased girls and, and, um, I was thankfully, praise God. I was never abused, uh, in any sexual way, um, growing up. Um, so my choices and how I looked at women and how I treated women, I never had any attraction towards men or was never put in any kind of situation where I dealt with same sex attraction or any kind of thing like that. But the, the perversity, the whole perspective that I had of, of women and, and the value of woman, of a woman, how I treated girlfriends and, you know, in the Marine Corps and, you know, my whole, my whole, uh, focus and, and intent on going out in the evenings to clubs and bars. And there was just one purpose, you know, and I was a user, man, I was a user of humanity in general, but had such a perverse demonic view of women. And, you know, when I got saved, it was more than, this is so big. This is the good news. And I'm just going to be frank on this. I'm going to use some language that some of you are not going to be comfortable with. But I think there's like good news and then there's like sucky news. Okay? Just how it is. Um, good news, sucky news. The sucky news is, hey, um, I'm going to let you go to heaven. I'm going to forgive you of your sins. I died for you. And um, here's what I want you to do. It's in the Bible. I want you to do all of that. I don't care if you like it or not. Got to come to church on Sunday. Don't smoke, drink, or chew or go with girls who do. Make sure you give some money. And uh, hey, I want you to study this thing. Go to church every Sunday. Sing the songs you don't like. Wear the clothes you don't normally wear. You know, do all of that stuff. If you do, I'm going to be watching you. I'm going to be watching you. And if you do it the best you can, you get to go to hell. I know you're going to make a mistake now and then, and you're going to sin because you're just a dirty, right? For me, you're just a pervert. You know, you're just a user, but I don't want you to do that anymore. I want you to deny who you are and live the rest of your life. Think about this. This is the sucky news. I want you to live the rest of your life denying who you are, denying what you really want to do. And if you hold out and you just don't give in to what you, one day you'll get to go to heaven and I'll fix you when we get to heaven. 
That's terrible news. That's terrible news. That leaves you with a couple options, you know? I mean, you're like, screw this, man. I'm, I'll just wait until I'm almost dead. Hope I don't die. You know, or if I get in a car wreck or something, I'm about to die. Then I'll repent the last minute and I'll just go into heaven. But I'm not going to live denying myself. That's like not eating an ice cream the rest of your life. You know, just like live with no live with no sugar. Okay, Do the carb diet forever. There ain't no way to live, right? And so that's terrible news. The good news is I, I not only want to save you from what you've been doing. It's not rules. I don't want to just say, I don't want you to do that anymore. I want to change you so that you don't want to live in any other way than I have created you to live. I want to transform you on the inside. I want you to see the way that I see and feel the way that I feel. I don't care what it is. For me, he literally untwisted. I had immediate freedom. I had immediate salvation. He lived in my life. And over a period of time, I was transformed by the way that I thought and the way that I felt about women. My whole perspective shifted. That, that is the exact same reality for anyone who suffers under the oppression of a perverse spirit that, lead, you know, that leads to a life of same-sex attraction, the perversity of you know, homosexuality, a diversion from how God created men and women to live in matrimony and sexuality. That's a big, long statement. You can be different. It's not like, well, I'm just going to be celibate the rest of my life. Do we believe in heart holiness? We believe in transformation. You can be new. That's like such good news. It's not like, I don't want you to do these things anymore and you're going to be legalistic the rest of your life and just, well, you know, grit and bear. No. The good news is you could be different. You can be a different, I'm different. I'm just not the same guy that I was. And it's not just in my sexuality, it's in everything. He's changed me. I'm a completely different person. And I've been, I'm growing. I've been changed on the inside. And it's like the rest of me, the way that I think, the way that I perceive, fears, emotions, all that's changed over time. You can be different, dude. That's the good news. Um, now, there's some language. Now, we use the word perversion. Um there's some language in, in the NIV. I think there may be some different translations out there that's a little bit less harsh uh, to some or maybe more socially acceptable. But like in 1 Timothy, um, well, let, let's start with this. So in the New Testament, the, the, the word that is used to describe um, sexual relationship, specifically between a man and a man, Romans chapter one deals with women and women, and we'll get to that in a minute. But the relationship proselyneko, that is used to describe a man in bed with another man, um, is typically trans, uh, translated pervert. It's perverted. So what perversion is, perversion is you take something that's right and true and correct and you pervert it. So perversion, it's just the wrong version of something. This is right. It's been perverted. It's a, this is a perverse relationship. This is the wrong relationship. This is the wrong of, of the right. That's what perversity is. That's the word proslaneko. It's used in a couple different places. Um, Paul writes to Timothy. Listen to what he says beginning in, what is this? Uh, chapter one, beginning at verse eight. He says, we know the law is good if one uses it properly. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for the lawbreakers. There's a whole study on that. Uh, but he says, lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy, the irreligious, for those who kill their fathers and mothers, for murderers, for adulterers, for perverts, 
for slave traders, for liars, preferred, and he goes on. So there's this whole list for those who are outside of Christ, who do not receive his, his payment for our sins. He was, he was hung on a cross and paid the penalty and literally so I could be different. For those who say, I don't want that, they're going to be judged according to the law. And the law is the standard of what a human being is supposed to look like. And so you look at Jesus and say, I don't want in the kingdom. Okay. Well, God's own, this is big. God's only going to give his inheritance. He's only going to give the kingdom to his sons and daughters. You're like, well, what do they look like? Jesus. If you don't look like Jesus, you don't get into the kingdom. So literally Jesus paid the penalty so we could look like him. Not just look like him outside, but inside. We're seated in him. We have his eyes. The same spirit lived in him lives in us. So for someone who doesn't want that, says, I don't want that relationship. They're going to stand before God and God's going to say, you can't come in the kingdom. Why? Because you don't look like my son. You, you have, and, and this is what some of those are. And it's a crazy list. I'm talking about murderers. Um, those who kill their, you know, I mean, that list, kill their fathers and mothers. That's really heavy. He puts these, you know, he puts same-sex relationships, this proselyteco, man, it's the word man and bed. And it's not just the word man. There's a couple different words for man. This word for man in this word is, is the word for a sinful man. Okay, it's not in a positive way. And then bed, it's not just a bed, but it's the marriage bed. So it's literally two men who come together and say, we want to operate in the marriage covenant. Okay, same for women. It'll get to that in Romans. But here, Paul says two men coming together that are going to operate in, in what you know God has ordained for a man and a woman. Okay, that's a perverse relationship. They're not entering the kingdom. Okay, so that's where the word perverse or pervert comes from. And it's not only mentioned here in in 1 Timothy, but it's mentioned in uh, 1 Corinthians. And that same word is used. And so he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, same, same deal, okay? This is the same line, okay? Timothy is in, in Ephesus teaching, and this is, you know, he's writing to the church in Corinth. And he says in verse 9, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Okay, this is obvious. God's not going to give his kingdom. He's not going to give his inheritance to wicked people. Okay, he's going to give his inheritance to people that have his heart. Okay, Jesus. That's that Jesus and those who look like him. So he says, the wicked's not inheriting the kingdom of God. He says, don't be deceived. And then he gives you this list. And there's, and it's interesting, there's several forms of, uh, that he gives in here in terms of sexual deviancy. We'll talk about that in Romans in a second. There's sev- in this list, there's several types of sexual deviancy. He mentions sexually immoral, which is the word pornonia. It's where we get our word pornography, okay? Pornography is a twisted, demonic perspective of sexuality. It's not what marriage uh, sexuality looks like. That is, that is demonic. That's what he says, sexual immorality. So neither sexual immorality. Then he throws in idolaters, which again, we're going to get to that in Romans because he expounds on it. But literally, sexual sin is a form of idolatry, like it's like sexual idolatry. It's, it's, and it's not just same-sex relationships. It's anybody whose entire life and identity revolves around sex. It's the guy that is a Christian who goes to church, probably should say he's a churchgoer, and you know, you know, he's, he's married, doesn't mess around with other women or whatever. He resists pornography. But literally, his life revolves around sex. It's an idol. It's how he treats his wife. He doesn't make her mad when, you know, he wants to get some. He doesn't, uh, 
you know, he didn't fight certain battles. He, you know, he's just, he changes the way he talks, um, you know, the way he treats her. Sex is an idol in his life. That's idolatry. Okay. So that's a part of sexuality. So neither the sexual, neither the sexually immoral idolaters, adulterers, those who have sex, you know, with other people outside of marriage, whether they're married or not. Um, he says male prostitutes. That's different than homosexuals, which he'll mention next. Male prostitutes is a whole different category of, of you know, sex for money. Okay. Um, so he mentions male prostitutes, and there's a worship in there, and temple worship, and all that kind of stuff in their culture, and you can study that. But then he says, nor homosexual offenders. That's prosoneko. It's man, a man in bed with another man. And so I want to explore really quickly. If, if we, in fact, if we can just go into, and before we come back, we're going to come back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. But when you come into Romans, uh, this is one, like people typically, when they want to push back with this affirming kind of a deal that, you know, it's a new deal, new day, you know, God understands and God, God ordains same-sex marriage and relationships. They'll deal with first Corinthians and first Timothy, and they'll, you know, argue on those kind of terms and which they're very clear. Um, but they leave Romans alone because in, in Romans, um, Paul begins to lay out chapter one, beginning at verse 18, that the wrath of God is being unleashed against those who are willfully rejecting his design. They're not going to enter the kingdom. Okay. God's like, listen, I designed it this way. I'm having a kingdom. This is who I want in. People are like, I don't want in. God's like, fine. There's another place for you. And not only that, there's another place for you, but it's like you were designed to live a certain way. And when you don't live that way, there's going to be ramifications. Like, you know, you use a, you know, a remote control as a hammer. I see mine right over there. You use a remote control as a hammer. It's not going to last very long. It wasn't designed for that. It's the idea. You were designed um, to live in intimacy with, with the Father and dwelt by the Holy Spirit. If you live in worry and anxiety, your body's going to reject that. You're going to get ulcers. Literally, it makes you sick. Got all kinds of studies on this now outside of the church. Okay. So, I mean, you weren't created to live in anxiety. God, you were created to live in peace and joy, fruit of the Spirit. So when you're living contrary to the way, you were created to, to use drugs. I was a massive drug user early on in my life. My body was falling apart, man. When I was kicked out of the Marine Corps, I was 6'4", like 128 pounds. I was 100 pounds lighter than I am now. You, know, you look at a meth addict or you look at drug addicts and what they're doing to themselves. They weren't meant to live that way. Okay, so this is what he's getting in. The, the wrath of God is being revealed and it's, it's being revealed in people that are living ungodly ways and it's manifesting in their life now. Their life is falling apart. They're living in depression. They're, they're suicide. They're just unhappy. They're angry. They're miserable and miserable people make other people miserable. You know, they're just all the time. That's, that's a result of the wrath of God. It's not just a future place in hell. They're living hell now. And so he, he walks through this whole thing. And, he, and just to give you a couple of these, we're going to, well, I guess we could read through the whole deal. But he says in verse 18, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God's made it plain to them. There's no secret. Again, for 6,000 years, there's never been any. And again, I know there's been some perverse cultures, but I mean, the, the tenor of human sexuality and reproduction, like the science of everything, um, 
how how we how we operate um, as human beings sexually, okay, in terms of relationship, out even outside of Israel, is I mean, this is obvious. It's not rocket science. Uh, this this is what he's saying. And then he goes on in verse 20, he says, for the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature has been clearly seen, being understood by what has been made. So men are without excuse. And then he goes on about how, you know, they'd known God and they rejected him. So I want to come down beginning at verse 24. And um, this is pretty, pretty significant. So in light of their rebellion, God gave them over. Verse 24 says, therefore, God gave them over. And their sinful desires. It's not going to control you. You want to live this way? Help yourself. Okay. Grace, God's working, never gives up on you. There's a whole thing there. But he gave them over to their sinful desires of their hearts, verse 24, to sexual impurity. And literally, it's for the degrading of their bodies with one another. Listen to this language. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created beings rather than the creator who's forever praised. So it was, it was not just that they had impure, broken sexuality, but it was worship. It was sexual idolatry, which we talked about that Paul touches on over, well, he's Paul still, but what Paul talked about with the church in Corinth. Verse 26, it says, because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. So that's not a positive thing. Even their women exchanged natural relationships for unnatural ones. Verse 27. In the same way, men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion disease. Um, and of course, he goes on and, and there's a lot more we could probably talk about. But And there's other things in there. Um, but I thought it was Interesting that he uses the term lust and not love, that true love, God is love. So true love can only be experienced in a right relationship with him and in a right covenant relationship. There's a difference between lust and love. So he really stresses on that. Okay. So we've talked about the term perversity, taking something that God has established and perverting it. It's the wrong version of what God intended. Uh, And that's same-sex relationships and, of course, marriage same-sex relationships in marriage. Um, here's the phenomenal news. In, in first, coming back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we read how, you know, don't be deceived. The wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he lists that, you know, as a small list. And there's more because he goes on in verse 10. He adds thieves, the greedy, the drunkards, slanderers, swindlers, you know, all these, what we've there's always been people that go to jail for, you know, stealing. It's not a new thing, okay? So these are just kind of fundamental humanity things that he's mentioned and same-sex relationships, even at that time, were in there. But then he comes down into verse 11. This is so good. And he says to the church that he's writing to here in Corinth, and that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. People who lived like that, who felt like that, were changed. Just as I have been changed, Jeremiah Bullock, in all the ways I used to live, and I feel different. What I used to long for, how I used to see, I'm different. I've been redeemed. I've been purified. You can be set free. Jesus came to save his people from their sins. 
unless they have this and then you're just going to no, that's not that's not the answer. Jesus literally can transform you. Healing is an interesting thing. I I, I read every book on it, followed every ministry that does healing. And uh you know, I've prayed for people and they've been healed, uh and I've prayed for people and then they haven't been healed. And I'm like, how does that work? And I found it in the scripture. Paul writes to Timothy and he says, listen, drink a little wine for your stomach problem. I'm thinking, why are you just healing? Got all this healing stuff going on. Well, not everybody who gets prayed for gets healed. And it's crazy because everyone Jesus prayed for got healed. But there were people that Jesus didn't apparently pray for. I mean, right after he dies and ascends within 50 days, probably within close to a year, Peter and John are walking in. There's a crippled man at the gates who was there every day begging. And Peter and John says, in the name of Jesus, stand up. And the guy was healed. Well, did Jesus just choose not to heal him? I don't know. See, there's timing involved. Um, I don't know how all that physically works. I'm still working on that. Okay, so physical healing, one thing. Being transformed and free from sin is a given. There's never a chance, ever a chance, where you'll be like, well... I'm beyond saving. It's a lie. People are always going to bring up this blasphemy thing, and I probably should do a teaching on that. That's not what bla- blasphemy is. I don't want to be saved. That's what blasphemy is. And I'm going to live in that state forever. That's what blasphemy is. God literally can't save you. But literally, because you won't let him, but literally, the idea that I have been, that I have, uh, uh, that, you know, I have uh, been, uh, twisted on the inside. I've lived in sin and I've been, and there's a whole spiritual element of, 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 uh, a perverse spirit. You know, we don't just inhabit the earth I and mean, we cohabit with spiritual beings. Okay. There are, we still have them. There's still demons and angels. And I mean, that stuff is present. Everybody's been tempted, you know, so you, you can be a, you can be oppressed, especially through trauma with a perverse spirit, but you can be set free and you can be different. And then there's a process of changing how you think. The Holy Spirit's going to renew your mind. I still had patterns of ways of thinking, you know, especially with anger, um, you know, and and kind of the whole perception of what it means to be a man. I was saved. I was forgiven. I was brand new. But I had ways of thinking that had to be changed. And the Holy Spirit walked me through that. You're going to have that coming out of these perverse relationships. But you can be different and literally live in victory and have everything that God wants you to have in the proper format. And that's what this verse says in verse 11. Let me give you a quick testimony before we cut off here. I was at a church, um, this is just a couple years ago, and it was in the Midwest, um, Kansas, I think. And uh, a guy came in, and this is 100%, 100% true. This guy come in, he's got his wife and his daughter with him, and um, he was, I could tell. I, and it wasn't just from physical perception in that environment God's moving I just heard this guy's compensating it's like he's trying to prove something you know he comes up he's this he's dressed like a, a biker got a big old beard he's big he's a huge guy tall as I am maybe a little taller I mean muscular big guy and um, just exudes masculinity and he's got his wife and his daughter with him and uh, he comes up to me and he says the strange thing he says hey man would you would you pray for me I said, yeah. I said, this is after service and altar calls going on. And I said, absolutely, man. What's going on? And he goes, I don't want to tell you. And I'm thinking, that's one I haven't heard before. And I was like, all right, I can just pray generic. 
So I lay my hand on him. I begin to pray. And as soon as I lay my hand on him, I start getting all these images. Now track with me. I start getting all these images and they're, they're images of homosexual men engaged in various sexual acts. And they're just floating toward me. And they weren't just image images. There was like seduction attached to them. It was like pulling at me. And, uh, it was, it was really intense, almost like I had desires for that. And that not something I've ever struggled with. So I, it was shocking. I put, took my hand off of him as I prayed, kept praying, took my hand off of him. When I did, they all left. And immediately the Lord said, he is being assaulted by a perverse spirit. And there are perverse spirits. There are a spirit of fear. There's, you know, a spirit of infirmity. There's all kinds of demonic spiritual uh, beings that attack and assault and want to twist, create strongholds in our minds, Second Corinthians chapter 10. Okay, there's all kinds of perverse spirits saying we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Okay, so there's all kinds of spiritual beings. This one was a demonic, perverse spirit that was somehow I didn't I don't have I didn't have the language, not sure now, but because he wasn't possessed, but he was being afflicted, suppressed, attacked. There was something after him. And when I laid my hands on, I felt it. So I stopped praying, kind of closed that prayer. And I looked at the mom and I looked at the daughter. And I said, hey, can I talk to him by, by himself? Because he was crying and it was moving. And it, was so, it was so genuine. And they said, sure. And they went over to sit down. I took him up. We sat in the front row. And I said, uh, when did it happen to you? Who did this? Who did it to you? And he just broke and told me the story about two friends that weren't really friends. They were older than him, kind of groomed him in high school, happened after gym class, and they assaulted him, sexually assaulted him. And um, I guess it happened a few different times. And and um, and he said just from that time, and he was so like overt, like, I don't want to be this way. I'm not this way. Look at me. Look at the muscles. And, you know, I'm not, I'm married. I got kids. I was like, I'm not judging, dude. I get it. Okay. He's like, but I, I feel this way and I don't want to feel this way. And I said, you are being assaulted by a perverse spirit. And we just spent over the next 20 minutes and there needed to be some deeper things, okay? And, and, and being set free, again, has a lot to do with the way we think. And we can be set free, but the transformation, Romans 12, 1 and 2, the transformation of the mind is huge. And, um, but I walked him through and renouncing and coming out of agreement and just saying, you can't, I belong to Jesus. You can't have me, leave. And, um, and we, and actually the Lord just led, led me into walking him through forgiveness of the guys that did that and, and releasing them to God, just totally cutting off that event's not going to define me. And, um, while we were praying, he just said, man, something left me. And he did not have those desires. I, I didn't keep in touch with him very long, but it stuck. I think some of the, is the language people use. Hey, man, it worked or whatever, but got, got, got some input back from him. And, uh, he's, he, I'm new, man, I'm different. Um, and I encouraged him to go through some deeper inner healing, um, going and setting down with someone that he trusts, open up to a pastor and say, this is what happened to me and walk through, you know, some deep inside, you know, Holy Spirit, how do you want to deal with me on the inside? What, what do you need to deal with me on in terms of the way that I think perceptions that I've had all that stuff, but here's the beautiful point that I'm getting at. He once was, you know, this way. Now he's this way that it wasn't just. I'm not going to, I'm going to live right. And he was great. Love Jesus. No doubt about it. But he'd been fighting against himself. And there, there was like a point in his life where he's like, you know, Satan, you no longer have permission. 
to operate here. That event happened to me. It's not going to define me. That was trauma. And 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 doesn't have to be abuse. It can be, you know, from the womb looking different, you know, and the world saying this and the enemy, you know, the world says, well, you are, you know, are you this? I met a guy one time who was just, um, he was not masculine and that was his language. You know, he was very, he was just very, you know, um, he was very feminine in his behavior and his talk and his voice and everything. And he's a pastor. And he says, as a kid, he goes in high school, he's younger than me, but he says in high school, people said, are you, are you gay? And he's like, no, man, I'm, I'm not. But they, you get these people that maybe, in other words, they didn't, they weren't abused, but they grow up in, in, in a, in a, you know, in a culture where an alternative is presented. And if you do not have the mind of Christ and you're not, you know, you know, kind of belong to Jesus, you're vulnerable to that. And the enemy can trick and speak and bah, all that. So again, like, like I'm bringing up, this is a big conversation, but it's the base point is this is what the scriptures say. This, you know, sexuality, marriage, and gender is very clear. Um, and and you know, there's no deviation from that. And if you feel on the inside in a way that is like, this is completely contrary. Everything you're saying to how I feel, you don't have to feel that way anymore. Because I'm telling you, I didn't feel that way about anger and about people and how to deal with people that hurt me. It didn't feel that way. And to say, well, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that. That ain't good enough. I had to be healed. Well, I, have a, I had a perverse, twisted way that I viewed women and the way that I would view my wife. And the Holy Spirit said, you, know, you, you literally can't just say, well, I'm not going to, I just won't do that. No, I wanted to be different. I wasn't going to live the rest of my life faking it because sooner or later, the real you is going to get out. And so you have to be a different person. That's what God offers you. That's what he says in this passage. Amidst all these things and all these sexual perverse, you know, alternatives to how God created us to live, Paul says, some of you were like that. Some of you lived like that. Some of you felt that way. You're not. And he didn't say you're not. You're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified. Like there's no other language for being saved. There's no other language to belonging to God and being pure and holy. I mean, he mentions it all right there. You can be different. It's phenomenal. And I've seen it. I've seen it with people. I've seen people go through transformation and live different. And it can be the same for you. So I want to pray for you before we close out here. And uh, you can reach out to me. I don't know if there's a private message in... Um, uh, YouTube. Um, sadly, I'm not as familiar with YouTube as I am maybe Facebook or Instagram or even my website. And you can contact me and I'll, uh, you know, hey, I'll, I'm available. I'll be available. I'll respond to you. But, um, you know, be open. I'll be open to, to uh, help in any way I can and pray with you, put you in the right direction, put you with some people um, that can walk you through this. Uh, we got a huge team here in Lebanon, Tennessee. That's just, this is who they are, what they do. Um, but let me, uh, let me pray for you. Father, I pray for the person that is watching this in the name of Jesus, whether it's a mom or a dad, a sister or brother who knows someone, um, or whether it's a person that's in secret or living openly, Father, in a perverse relationship, um, in a relationship, a same-sex relationship that you did not, you did not create them to live in, um, and I just, if they're coming into agreement, if you're coming into agreement right now, just come into agreement with me and say, in the name of Jesus, Father, I receive, I receive everything that you have for me, all the freedom. I believe what I've heard. I believe the truth of your word and I want to be different. And in the name of Jesus, I renounce 
all perverse sexual sin in the name of Jesus. I come out of agreement with it. I'm not going to think that way. I don't agree with that lifestyle anymore. I ask for forgiveness and I repent, meaning I'm going to turn away from this. Father, in the name of Jesus, I give it all up. I ask you to come into my life in the name of Jesus and make your home. And I, this is really important, in the name of Jesus, I declare being in Christ, being a child of God who's forgiven. I plead the blood of Jesus over my life. And I declare in the name of Jesus that you perverse spirit, all afflicting perverse spirits, anything that would come and oppress me in a way that would want to twist me in, in, in sexuality, I renounce you and command you to let go and leave my life in the name of Jesus. Leave me in the name of Jesus and don't you ever come back. Leave me in the name of Jesus and don't you ever come back. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. And believe it or not, it's that easy. So I want you to you can reach out to me if you would like to. Um, and that's the start. You're free. If you confess, 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And now there's the opportunity of being not just you know transformed, but uh, on the inside, but the working out of your mind and being a part of a body. And so um, we got one more study. I want to talk about gender. You know, there's a lot of confusing things about gender in our uh, in our culture, um, and specifically with you know, well, sexuality is one thing, and but gender is how you feel, and gender is something different. So we're just going to cover that out of the scriptures as well. It's very clear there are two genders in scripture. And again, I'm not. I don't want to be you know. Um, insensitive towards people that have, you know, real, real feelings. You know, that's, I I, I love Jesus, his whole perspective on this. He was, he's the most understanding guy in the world. I, I never for a second, hear me, I would never for a second invalidate the way you feel. It is real and it is true. Like you actually feel that way. I totally get it. Been there. Totally been there. His perspective changes everything. And the spirit that you you receive into your life, the Holy Spirit that you receive in your life is going to open your eyes, present you with the truth of the alternative, and you're going to see it. And you can be set free from the oppressive demonic reality that surrounded you. Maybe what's been done to you or how you see, you can be a different person. Jesus, so he came to deliver us and set us free that we can live, operate in joy, not to live in depression, not to live in self-hatred, not to live that way, not to live in this kind of questioning of who we are. Um, it's a good news. So we got one more study. We're going to get to that uh, pretty soon. I'm hoping to do it this week. Not sure if I'll be able to, but uh, it's been a pleasure to share with you his word. So I hope you stick around for video number three.